but they said, hey, uh, you're going to Cleveland. And uh, I like hugged. There were some people I didn't even know in there. I just hugged everybody. It was, uh, it seemed kind of fake, but again, I wasn't sleeping. So what I'm about to admit in about a minute, you guys are going to be like, what? So I wasn't sleeping. My flight the next morning because Josh Tomlin just had a rough outing. <clears throat> they had no pitching left. Love Tomlin, by the yes, way. Yes, love Tomlin. Great dude. He gave me a lot of advice, too. Love you, Josh. But he had a bad outing, and people were supposed to get called up the following day. But they called me up the night before so I can go and pitch. And the whole week, I wasn't sleeping. So my flight was at 6 in the morning. <laughs> I go to the airport just dead dog tired, and I don't know how to pack. But I found that I was flying first class, so that didn't matter. So that was amazing. <laughs> Did you ever flown first class? No, 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 not even close. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to me, Casa. Make yourself at home. Do your do. Welcome to my pad. This your lab. Go create your move. This episode is brought to you by Subway. What's good, everybody? Welcome to 72 miles per hour with Steve Van Horns. 72. I never threw a baseball 99 miles per hour, man. So if I'm going to host the show, then it's it's 72 miles per hour. I think okay. that's about where I topped out. All right, let's do it. Before I gave the game up for good at the uh, ripe age of 14. So... Uh, Today with me in the studio, I have Percy Gardner. I think a lot of followers and fans of the 99 Miles Per Hour podcast may have met and heard of Percyville Gardner here. Welcome to the show, Percy. How are we doing, Steve? Why don't we tell our folks about one of your favorite places when you're on the go and, you're, and your stomach starts rumbling, where do you pop in to get a fresh Subway sandwich? I was going to say it, what, it is Subway, but I'm um, sorry, Fitzgerald family. If that Canes gets built, built here, uh. then... <laughs> Are they building a cane? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I love Subway. I mean, supposedly they've been building a Cracker Barrel here ever since I moved here in 98. So, <laughs> yeah, it right? might not happen. No Cracker Barrel? No. Nah. But no, I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, love Subway and all the sub, uh, the new subs they have. Uh, the love, the one I've been loving lately, though, is the Cajun or the, what's it called? It's the steak. The melt? Oh, I always, everything's a melt for me. Those melts. I are, turn it into <sighs> melt, everything. Um, I know I'm not supposed to, you know, let everyone know that you guys can melt everything. Sorry, Kevin. But uh, like a hidden menu. <laughs> yeah, trick. it's not supposed to be for everyone. But cats out of the bag. <laughs> it is. It is. But no, I love. I love the. Um, I usually get the the chicken teriyaki. That's the old mm. stuff, chicken bacon ranch. But lately, love it's it. been the the Baja steak. There it is. Oh, I like Baja the Baja steak. steak. It's yeah. got the special spicy. Yeah, Chipotle. Like, it's like a Chipotle mayo. Yes, that's a good sandwich. Well, thank you to the Fitzgerald family. They sponsor everything in Tuscarawas County it seems like sure. so without uh, without them then the 99 slash 72 mile per hour <laughs> podcast wouldn't be possible so exactly thank you guys but hey so this is what Percy my third time I think on the show fourth time technically it is fourth because we you were on one, two. part two or part one and part two of when we look like we were in a prison cell <laughs> and now <laughs> you came back uh and where we where we really specialized on culture when we had the new and improved that's right uh studio because of josh and his father but yeah oh, fourth so, time so see i was thinking three but four it is so we decided last time i was here we we're gonna flip the script so 
Uh, obviously, I'm sitting in the host chair today, so that makes me the, the guy in control of the dialogue. So we're going to have some interesting conversation. Uh, I pointed out that, you know, if you listen to Percy's first podcast, obviously a lot of good information about your background, your history, who you are as a man. But I have some more interesting questions. Now, I will say when I ask some of these questions, obviously, I know the answer to a lot of them yeah. because I consider you one of my very close personal friends. Um, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people do. I don't think a lot of people have had the opportunity to sit down and have these opportunity to ask some of these questions. So I'm going to ask them okay. knowing that I already know the answer to a lot of them, but there are a few in here <clears throat> that I don't know the answer to, but one thing we'll go ahead and set some ground rules. Okay. <laughs> you have not seen any of these questions. Correct? No, no. And or, for, for most of my shows, I have audience. like an agenda. I have an agenda and sometimes for the most part, the guests can get a little, a uh, mm-hmm. little gander of that before, but yeah, I haven't. Unfortunately, Steve was not as willing to share. I was questions. not. He messaged me and was curious. And I said, no, <laughs> Um, I'm not going to tell you the questions. And by the way, nothing is off the table. Although we are going to try to stay away from anything politically involved or motivated just because I don't really feel like any negative energy out there. There's enough of it in the world already, but we are going to hit on a couple more serious topics. So you're cool with that, right? Yeah, let's do it. Percy has said blank slate, nothing off the table. So that's where (laughs) we're going to start. So let's start at the beginning, right? Tell us a little bit about your family. Obviously, you grew up here in Dover, and just give people a little bit of background so they don't have to go back and listen to that entire first episode to frame up the rest of this episode properly. Well, yeah, and episode one didn't have any video too, so it's just oh. a bunch of waveframes going up and down. So, yeah, just yeah this will be better. the emotion of your life story. Exactly. Without the video, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, born and raised here in Dover, um, my mom uh, was a basketball star in West Muskingum. Um, family's from Zanesville. Uh, sometimes I don't claim them because of their accent. Um, but I'm sure you being from Kentucky, you know what that accent's about. Uh, <laughs> I could do it right now. <laughs> but, uh, and then my dad, obviously, um, if you guys pay attention to the Dover, Ohio page on Facebook, he was, uh, you know, in a track picture, which you guys can all tell he's skinny and fast. I didn't get any of those jeans. <laughs> um, but Sk- mo- most skinny, people, you got his skinny jeans, Gene. <laughs> Percy loves them like skinny it. jeans. I do. You know, my legs haven't got as big as my upper body, so I got to show off the legs. <laughs> Can't wear skin tight shirts. But um, but no, yeah, family was, uh, you know, real, real like, you know, it was very fun. We made fun of each other, had fun doing a lot of activities. I always knew I was going to play sports just because my dad, my brother, my mom, mm-hmm. everyone pretty much played sports. I have, a lot of people don't know this, I have... A lot of siblings, uh, but you have a lot of family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do, I a do. lot of family. I do, and uh, some that are more famous than me too, um, which we'll get to. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say in a little bit, but uh, all right. <clears throat> I don't think he, I know that one. Yeah, see, um, who who actually has a championship ring? Since I have a second place ring, are we talking about Jamal Johnson? We're his <laughs> championship rings from the you're not. Mount Union University. <laughs> We're talking about Monty Hunter, who has a Super Bowl oh, yeah, with the yeah. Cowboys. I didn't know you were related to Monty. Yep. So his mother is uh, the sister of my grandmother. So. No kidding. Yep. And yeah. he he comes and visits every once in a while. I need to have him on the show too, but you know him being on the West Coast in California is a little tough. But local, local boy who made it big. Yes, Monty. Yes, and we've and had a couple of professionals come through, or at least big time athletes. I mean, C. Grant, who was on your show. Yep, we're about to have James Black on the show too. He's on the nice. West Coast too, so that's kind of you know. And obviously, he's uh, had a longer career in the the acting business and Hollywood and stuff like that. So that's going to be fun. But yeah, we need to coordinate our schedules. You know. Being an actor like he is, yeah. he doesn't get up 
at uh, at a certain time. Yeah. Like, is he on the West Coast? <laughs> yeah, he is too. Yeah, so. so they always blame it on the time change. Yeah. But I'm like, there's not an eight hour time change, guys. It's exactly. like three to four hours, depending on where you are. So sleeping yeah. until ten is just exactly. But he's he played for the Browns. You know, ooh ooh ooh, dogs podcast. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, a lot of family from this area. You know, good uh, good background. But we've also had some. You know, and I don't even know if you were trying to head down this road, but I might as well air it out there. Um, you know, we've had, you know, family history run-ins with the law with my mom. I was going to, I was it. It's, oh, I'm sorry by, the way, there. <laughs> by the way, for anybody watching, I, I always am on my phone doing my notes. So if you see me looking at my phone, I'm he's texting, texting his wife, Daniel, like, their <laughs> notes, they're my questions. <laughs> and then a couple of times I'm popping in some of the answers you give just cause I find it interesting. But anyways, gotcha. so I do have that on here. Tell okay. us a little bit about your mom and how your experiences. I obviously know that part of your story pretty yeah. extensively. We've spent a lot of time talking about that and in some ways my shadow, my story kind of shadows yours, but um, just tell us a little bit about her, those experiences and how it shaped who you are as a man today. Yeah. Well, first I'll just say my dad and mom were kind of polar opposites. My dad was a Steelers yeah, fan and a hard worker and he would get up early in the morning, 4am. He worked for ODOT. He did a lot of stuff that he was kind he, of the hard nose. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, he was in the military, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that I wouldn't necessarily want to do. And he, he made it possible for me not have to do that. Right. Um, but my mom, uh, once her and my dad split up, uh, she kind of went down a different path with my stepdad and they were, um, they both went to prison for drug trafficking and I was in fifth grade. Yeah, I was in fifth grade uh, when they got, and I was literally coming, like getting off the school bus when the, the big drug bus was happening. I grew up on Washington Street, mm -hmm. which is where the Brooklyn Grill was, if you guys know where that is. Oh, yeah. It's right across the street from the Tuscarawas County Fairgrounds. And uh, it was an experience. Um, I will say real quick, a funny story about that. Um, obviously, it was, wasn't was a great time. I wasn't at the house because I still live with my dad. Uh but the police busted in, had guns pointed at my sisters who were, what, four and six at the time. So that was not great for them. And they've obviously, you know, had to deal with the consequences of having that experience in their life. Uh, but, oh, yeah, I guess all the siblings I have, I have. Let me just get that out of the way, too. Two younger sisters. We, we tend to bounce around. Yeah, we do. We do. Podcast, so we'll get it all covered. That's yeah, we will. Notes. We will. Two younger sisters two older sisters, one younger brother and one older brother. So, and I'm like smack dab in the middle. So, and one brother who still lives in the same neighborhood you grew up in. Oh yeah. And he, I, I got news that we're the only brother or family that got MVP of the Dover Philly game. So he got it in 95, 96, I think. Yeah, that's pretty big considering yeah. all the uh, lineage that's come through Dover and the brothers that have yeah. all played. And I didn't know that until we were doing that documentary, Dover Philly documentary, but but yeah, back to the the main point. So you um, get off the bus. Yeah. We got get like off the, the SWAT bus. team at your house, guns drawn on your family. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, as I'm getting off the bus, I like to, you know, I was glad to be home from school. Yeah. A cop like kind of swooped me away as I'm getting off the bus to like get out of everything. So Did took, they know who you were and that you were trying yeah. to get to your house? Yeah. And they, I, th I want to say they took probably all the kids off the bus because there was helicopters. There was a lot of stuff going on. So they just... They were snatching up all the kids to keep them safe. So, because Washington Street, if you ever drove, I know you've been down there because you own some uh, some rentals down there. But if you've ever, it's just one long street all the way down mm -hmm. to Tuscarawas River, and you know, there's the street isn't very wide. So, you know, when there's cops going on and the and the bus was going on, you tend to notice. Yes, yeah. you kind of know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a it was an experience, and the the funny part of it uh, was when my mom was in prison. 
I was a big sneakerhead. If you guys don't know, uh, she said still are. <laughs> yeah, still. Is. Yep. She, uh, I visited her while she was in prison. And I was like, mom, I don't want you to sell drugs anymore, but I just want one more pair of Jordans. <laughs> so as a kid, you could tell how selfish I was and how much I love my Jordans. But, um, she always put rubbed that in my face once she got out. But crazy to think that's where your mind is in that moment. I know. And not really understand you were how old again well at that time i think i was in sixth grade sixth okay grade. so you, you were probably 12, 12 years yeah, old 12. 11 or 12 years old yeah. so not really understanding the magnitude of the situation and probably exactly yeah. what had happened and what it meant to you know your mom's life right well at that age i hadn't seen any movies about prison I haven't seen life yet i don't think so i, I just thought you know she was in detention basically yeah she got <laughs> in trouble got sent to yeah. the principal's office yep basically so did you know prior to that day that she was doing anything illicit oh yeah you know? I, kn I knew that it wasn't right what she was doing but i didn't know the magnitude so so even at that age you you identified the right from wrong but at the same time still loved your mom oh yeah so you're probably conflicted emotionally you know between well i know she's doing something wrong but i mean a parent can relate to that right when they're when their uh, kid does something you're you know yeah. you explain to them listen i'll always love you unconditionally but this isn't acceptable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I still like with my stepdad, I haven't really spoke to him since my mom passed and she passed away with cancer in 2014, but he, we had our moments. He was a good yeah. dude when he was sober, but you know, I think part of the reason I also looked at my mom a different way is because he, you know, he would beat her on top of that. So there was a lot of domestic violence in the home especially with my my dad my mom and biological dad would argue but it would never get to the point that it got to with my stepdad so when i started seeing that that was kind of like okay this is yeah you know so i looked at my mom and i had to protect her but you know being little but once i got 14 he stopped because i got big <laughs> he didn't he didn't want no smoke first. no he did not so so that would have been when you talk about your biological dad and his girlfriend that would have been tessa's mom oh yeah yeah so so, so i got yeah. something for you here. oh god i got something for you here i don't <laughs> know how, me it's I not a photo that josh is going to put up during I, the <laughs> I don't know how well this is going to show up on the camera i don't know josh how well can you oh, see? Yeah. how did you get that photo how did you get that photo i don't think it's going to blur because we got a manual focus i, I have my uh, i have my sources <laughs> Look at tell, me, tell me a little bit about what's going on in this photo right here purse so a lot of those people are still in here in Dover involved in youth sports. So Dia's right in the center. Dia Avery. I love Dia, man. Yep. And she's a softball coach for a 10U team here at Dover. And uh, that's me on the left. Don't know what kind of gang sign I'm throwing up there. Oh, man. Um, Walk out. <laughs> Tessa looks like she's just ready to eat some cake. But I, it looks like it's somebody's <laughs> birthday party. But she's uh, Dia's Tessa holding. looks like she's about to kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> She, she does not look very she happy. <laughs> she probably just got in trouble from her mom. But yeah. and then my two little sisters, Carrie and Markeisha, who both graduated from McKinley, uh, are the other two in the photo. And I, that's at my aunt Susie's house or Master Homecoming Queen of nineteen seventy three. From Dover. <laughs> yep, from Dover. I love everything about this picture from the family. I mean, everybody's got that <laughs> that family. To, to little purse in front of the wood panel smile. wall. Yes. Every yes. house had that. I don't think they even made drywall <laughs> until like 1995 because everything was paneled. But Dia and Tessa are going to hate you for those photos. Oh my gosh. That smile, man. You could tell the second. Yeah. I mean, what, did, what did Hammy call it? The, the best, best smile, smile in baseball. baseball. Yep. That's and, it. And right Tito there. said I was leading the league in smiles already after being there one day. So <laughs> it hasn't changed at all, man. But even at that point, you wouldn't have known to look at that picture 
how much was going on below the surface for you and your family, right? Oh yeah. No, not even close. I was, I had so much support from the outside though and other people and family. So I was always just, you know, I was just blessed with joy. It just was produced in my body, just like caffeine. Yeah. (laughs) Always energetic. So your mom went away when you were six, sixth grade, Mm -hmm. so 12 years old. Obviously she didn't pass away, which, you know, sorry, sorry again for, you know, losing both your parents, extremely difficult situation. You can't even Mm -hmm. imagine what that's like. I'm very blessed and fortunate to still have both of mine to lean on. Yeah. Pretty much your dad's laugh. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Call him anytime you need advice. He's always happy to help, but awesome. Um, so, so what was that period in between, you know, 2014, I think when she passed and, uh, the time that she went away, how long was she in prison and how often did you get to see her? And then when she came out, you know, what was that relationship like? So she was in prison for three years and when my, my dad passed in 2003 with cancer and I went and since she, she wasn't out yet. Um, so when I went and, uh, when I, I went and lived with my aunt Susie, who is my dad's sister. So never knew that part of the story. So your mom was incarcerated when your father passed away. Yes, I believe so. If I have my dates right. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So that's why I like to give a lot of speeches on adversity because I've, <laughs> I've went through a lot in my life, but like I said, I, I never kind of look back and you've had these conversations with me and Tessa right. where she was a little bit older and she could kind of recognize the, the mood and what it was actually like. And me, I remember things totally different, which I just, you know, I, I remember the love and the fun times and all that stuff and the bad times I knew they were there, but I, to me, they were just overshadowed uh, by, you know, just cause we all loved each other no matter mm-hmm. what, you know, and my mom, she might say she did what she did out of love to, pr- to provide, but yep. You know, she, but, but there's two things you've already hit on in this podcast. I think that are, that are huge parts of why you always had that outlook in life. One, just your natural demeanor. I mean, you're a very positive, you know, optimistic person to be around, right? Mm-hmm. You tend to find the good in every situation. And two, you had a, a community behind you. I mean, growing yeah. up, you had a phenomenal support group, right? From That's friends, true. relatives, close people, coaches, teachers, mentors. Yeah. I mean, you really were kind of the product of it takes a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. And and I think that was the love that my dad got and people knew my father so well that they wanted to, you know, and they also saw that I wanted to do well in school and that, you know, I yeah. wasn't not always the best athlete. So it wasn't like they were just latching on because, you know, I, I, I didn't play quarterback until my junior year in high school. Right. I wasn't a star on the basketball team, though a lot of schools thought I was, and they would come heckle me, and I was just setting picks. Um, <laughs> but baseball always threw hard, but you never knew anything. Like, you know, so uh, that's why I kind of look at the, you know, a lot of the parents of my friends, you know, the Burdettes, the Williams, uh, you know, Micah's parents and his whole family. They were basically extended family, even though they technically oh, yeah. were, but – um, I got a question in there about him. We're okay. Talk about Mike in a minute. Okay. Okay. But he's got some big news. We're going to hit on that. Yeah. And then obviously the coaches and teachers, it was, it's crazy. isn't know, it? Yeah. I mean, one of my, the teachers I remember most is Mr. Andrews. And because I, I was a terrible student at, in third grade. So, and he was tough on me and it reminded me of my dad because everyone saw my dad like out in public smiling, happy all the time. But when he was at home, it was more military. Like, Hey, you better get this done. Or are you going to be in trouble? <laughs> I, I saw a referee person. Oh yeah. So okay. So same. <laughs> I saw the same one. You probably got to see at home. Cause yes. that was my closest. I moving here in eighth grade, you know, I had him for a few games yeah. uh, before his health took a, a downturn. But yeah. I do remember him always being the, the referee that was the coach. 
Yeah. You know, so if he called you for a foul, he'd come over and put his arm around you and explain to you what you did and what you could prevent, you know, doing to get the next one called. So yeah. I always appreciated that about him. Yeah. Both my parents were really exceptional at basketball. And that was my favorite sport growing up. Who was better? Who won the one-on-one game? <laughs> I would have to say my dad, but I don't know. My mom was a big woman. She was like 5'10". And she was solid. Literally, there was a, a woman who came and spoke to the Rotary Club who went to high school with my mom. She and remembered her. The one, yeah, the, I go, hey, did you know Teresa Butcher? And she's like, uh, <laughs> she was a pit bull. That was, <laughs> that was her one word to describe my mom. I was like, okay. Well, you really didn't know her because she was a big soft teddy bear. But maybe in basketball, she was a little rough. But she would always play with the men. A lot of yeah. men that are you know known as being the best, one of the best athletes in Dover, you guys know the 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 CJ in Paris, uh, Washington, and all those guys. My yeah. mom was playing. Um, I, I, it's not much of a park now, but we called it the, I know down exactly. the hill or yep. the bottom. The hill. <laughs> yeah. Which most people in, in Dover, Tuscarawas County are going to know it because it was behind the old uh, Denafos, right? Oh, yeah. Over the hill. From, Very from, Denafos. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. Okay, it's I forgot milestone. you. You got you, you, can, you got some history of Dover. Some. I'm, yeah. a, I'm kind of a history nerd, so I got here late, but, yeah. you know, picked yeah. up quickly. So, yeah. I, I mean, so your mom and dad, if they never did play before, I like to think they're, you know, up there right now smiling down, and one of them just like, all right, let's get it on. Let's yeah. go. Let's find a hoop in a court. <laughs> Well, my mom used to come to the Dover games. You know how Coach Von Kennel coaches. Uh, she was expecting why I didn't look the same as I did in pickup games. <laughs> and I'm like, well, first of all, we got three other dudes that are better than me. And I want to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to play. play like I do in pickup games. I'm not going to get to play. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I knew my I knew my job. And my mom was like, why didn't you ain't shoot the ball? I'm like, mom, I'm not you. I you rebound. Know. I yeah. pick. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what we I do. play defense. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, so I guess looking back, you know, one of the questions I have in here you obviously have somewhat of a tragic history when you when you think back, right? Mm -hmm. Would you change any of it? To be honest, I mean, I'm sure you'd love to still have your dad here. Yeah, I would like mom. to see. So that I'm not counting that. Well, my mom got to see me all the way up, even when I was after I've been drafted. She saw a lot of me, you know, growing up and maturing into a man. And I, I guess I never really answered the second part of your question about how our relationship was. She more became like a best friend. And I was more of the parent and to my younger sisters because she felt so bad of missing that time that she really didn't discipline them. She really wasn't on them. She just wanted to, you know, she wanted to, you know, them to like her since she, she right. just felt so terrible. So I was more of the, you know, they all kept secrets from me and I was always coming home like, you know, what's going on? What, you know, why the house like, you know, yeah, I had to grow up. Quicker yeah. Than yeah. Yeah. For preferred. sure. For sure. But, uh, but yeah, my, <laughs> My, my family is it's it's funny it's 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 funny to look back on and again i'm glad i can look back on the whole you know all the tragedy both my parents passing and and a lot of other family members passing as well at a young age um but it's like i i just remember and i focus on everybody the whole neighborhood white black it didn't matter who you were um you know obviously we talked about the teachers and stuff but washington street man and even mills street and river street it just everyone in the neighborhood, you know, no matter what I did, whether that was, I think, uh, Matt Price works at uh, Park uh, Parkway. And, you know, I accidentally broke his window one time, throwing up a rock and hitting it with a bat and broke his window. And he, heard that story. he begged my dad not to whip my butt. I appreciate it, Matt, but it didn't work. <laughs> but it's just, uh, you know, it, the, the way they all pour. I didn't recognize it at the time, obviously. Mm hmm. But just all the stuff they did, 
you know, it, it was like a, it was a close knit community. I could go into any house, open the refrigerator, get out what I wanted. It was never like, you know, an awkward moment or, hey, what are you doing in here? It, just I, anywhere. I think that street's still that way. Just yeah. the demographic <laughs> has shifted a little bit. Yes. Yes. Just a little bit. Yes. So, so back to the original question. Yeah. Growing up, if you could have had, you know, a, a mother and father that were, that were married, you know, lived in that big house on the hill in the community, all hugs and kisses and rainbows, would you do it? Or would you go through some of the pains and struggles you went through because it helped bring you to where you are today? I think the person I am today is because of everything that I've experienced. And it sounds terrible, but I don't think I would right now, obviously back then, eighth grade, freshman year, mm -hmm. I really probably would have been like, Hey, you know, I want my dad and I want my mom to, you know, you know, I'm not being prison. Probably embarrassed a little yeah. bit of history. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially with the people I hung out with every, pretty much all my friends had the typical, you know, goal in life like parents, mm -hmm. you know, the American dream, they had that. And, but once I got to high school, I started to understand, like, I think I'm, I could be better off because of this, you know? Right. And it, it just ended that way where I had the right influences in my life. Because obviously if you don't, uh, with what I went through could go easily go the other way. Right. You know, cause I've had friends that do that as well. Um, but, and what is it? I can't put my finger on it. I wish I could. It determines that that final course, you know, to the end destination. I, I mean, is it? Is, it's that whole like nature versus nurture argument, you know? Yeah, that's tough. For for me, I think what was instilled in me, like with my dad, y'all, you know, saying, "Hey, if you don't bring home A's," you know, threatening me with being punished or you know being whooped. It just kind of maybe not everybody responds to that as well. But I had him, but I also had his mother, my grandma. Right. Who would, if you got online, she would tap you with a yardstick. But for the most part, she was, you know, ultra loving. And then my Aunt Susie, she was ready to call the police when my dad would whoop us. <laughs> so she was ultra, ultra loving. But at the same time, if you didn't eat all your food, you were sitting at the table while all the other kids played. Right. So I just think there was a balance. So you think it's the healthy balance yes. of all the support that comes together to... Yeah, because I know there's some kids right now that You're probably right. I think they have at home, you know, maybe a, a parent who is isn't is, is there, but they aren't invested in their child. Maybe they they're always drinking or just not kind of there when they're at home. Mm -hmm. So they don't feel loved by, you know, and they don't have coaches that they're comfortable with or they might not their personality might not be as open as I am right where I can receive you know love and and coaching and lessons from other people so the the one source they need it they don't get it and that's where you know could could get off the rails yeah yeah you're 100% right and it's funny now you know and you have the the opportunity to look back and in retrospect kind of as you're raising your two kids right little purse and, <laughs> yeah. and little p um think back to the way you were raised and I do it all the time too I'm sure you do where you yeah. think like well, how did my parents get through that and how did they deal with it? And, you know, without calling them and saying like, what would you have done here? You know, cause yeah. one thing I've learned and, <laughs> you know, it's, you, you don't have the benefit of having your parents here to, yeah. to, to get to see this, but I'm sure you've seen it through other people, you know, is they've changed. Oh yeah. So now when they give me parental advice, I'm like, you know, they're, Oh, this is how we would, I'm like, no, that is not how you would have done it. Like you would have beat the living snot out of me <laughs> yes. and dared me to do it again. Like they like you, to think that's how they would have done it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do think back to like what kept me on the straight and narrow. What 
And, and you know, some of it was luck. I didn't always make good decisions. You could relate yeah. to that, right? I made yeah. plenty of dumb ones. I was just perfect. Got lucky. No. <laughs> but man, as a parent, it's so hard to watch your kids struggle, you know, with anything. You know, we had the helicopter parents for a while that followed their kids everywhere. And mm. now you hear the phrase, and I think we talked about it in one of the podcasts, you know, lawnmower, lawnmower parents who like to go ahead of their kids and just eliminate all the obstacles. They just mow them down for them. Yeah. And I know that was something that, you know, my parents and I know your, your dad in particular was good at was letting us fail. Yeah. Letting us, you know, go through pain and struggle. And now as a parent, I'm like, man, I just, I hate to see my kids struggle with something, whether it's uh, getting a bad grade on a test, whether it's, you know, not being successful at a sporting event, yeah. whether it's, you know, just being left out of a party invitation, you know, that other friends are invited to. It's so hard to sit back as a parent and watch that struggle happen and not want to intervene. Now, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm probably 50, 50, 50, time, 50% of the time I do intervene, 50% of the time I don't, but man, I mean, it's a discipline as a parent. It's hard, isn't it? It is hard for, and I always kind of like when the situation comes up, I don't certain most situations, I'll say most situations, I don't, uh, I'll react and then I'll kind of like, okay, that's not how I should have did this. And then I'll go the Reactor, right way. Reactor's remorse. Yes. And yeah. then I'll go back to the, the, you know, my, my, my kids and say, Hey, you know, either sorry or Hey, this is how I, this is the advice I should have give you, or this is how it should have went down. And, you know, especially with my son with Peyton, you know, she's three years old. So yeah, um, not a lot, not a lot of struggles. Everyone just like, Oh, she's so cute. She's the perfect. And right. I'm like, no, she's not. But um, with purse, there's, you know, there's, I just don't want him to feel like he has to be the best at sports or whatever, just because, yeah, you I know, feel like for him, it's different, right? Yeah. Because obviously my kids aren't trying to live up to the expectation of having a parent as a professional athlete. So for them, it, it's a little different. They know there's not a lot of pressure there. And I've already yeah. told them, you know, on multiple occasions, like if you're fortunate enough, if you're in that 0.001% that plays sports beyond high school, then that's great. But that's yeah. not the expectation. You know, our focus is going to be on grades, effort, attitude, you know, developing yourself as a human being. Those are the things I care about. If you don't hit the ball, I'm not, I'm not, I, w I care if you swing, Yeah, but I don't care if you hit it, you know? Yeah. Developing as a human being is the, is the biggest thing I try to stress to purse. Maybe I'm convincing myself too when I tell them, but yeah. I know sports have helped me as well. I mean, we talked about everything, but sports, you know, learning, failing, being disciplined is all come from, you know, all I, I just, it's for me, obviously there's people involved, but the sport has taught me so much. So I want purse to kind of understand that no matter what sport it is, if he wants to play soccer, I'm like, if Locker. we're going and you like it, we're going hard. If yeah. you, you know, we're not going to be out there like, yeah, I like soccer. Like I want any, if it's piano, whatever it is, I want him to work hard at it and, you know, be the best he can be to understand like, this is how things go. I just right. heard I just heard on the internet, so it's got to be true that a great skill to have right now is have a long attention span. If you can, Oof. if you can have an attention span where you focus and get good at us at good at something, because most people don't, they try something, uh, it gets boring. They go to something else, and I've caught myself doing that too, where I'm like, oh yeah, I want to you know do this shiny new yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm obviously a huge squirrel chaser, yeah. so I can relate to it. But one thing I found is my wife will walk in and see me watching a documentary and say like, how in the world are you watching this? If it's interesting, yeah. I'm engaged. Yep. The problem is, and, and it sounds terrible to even say out loud, I'm just not interested in a lot of things, right? So like, you've seen me attack things like, yeah. you said pit bull earlier. Like, I, like yeah. I can be laser focused and annihilate any task. For sure. If I have interest. If I don't, then it's a lot harder to be engaged. But you're familiar with Simon Sinek, right? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, read a couple of his books, start with why, uh, he just wrote one called the infinite game a couple years ago. That's become really popular, but I got to see Simon Sinek live, uh, three or four weeks ago in LA. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We did this big event for service Titan. Who's the CRM we use for our business. And they hosted this private event with like 2,500 people in the Rose bowl. Oh, wow. Private concert with Brad Paisley, which was crazy to put 2000 people in a stadium at to hold a hundred thousand plus <laughs> Brad Paisley, like right there, like taking people's phones out of the audience and taking pictures. It was awesome. But anyways, oh Magic Johnson was there. He was what a speaker. The? Oh it was, my. It was crazy. But Simon Sinek spoke. And uh, one of his you know, more uh, famous uh, moments is a TED Talk that he did a few years ago. And he's talking about exactly what we're talking about right now, which is you know these kids today and adults to some degree. I'm, I'm not going to exempt them because yeah. we could be just as guilty. Yeah. But this concept of you know immediate gratification, everything in the world we want now. Right. And he's talking about this, this kid he mentored who went and landed their dream job. And, you know, they were there for like four months or something like that. And he's talking to him like, Hey, how's it going? You know, how's everything? And the, and the kid told him like, oh, man, it's not, it's not good. I think I'm going to leave. And Simon was like, what do you mean you're going to leave? He's like, I, I'm just not making an impact. I don't feel appreciated. I'm not making an impact. He's like, you've been there for four months. <laughs> Like you're 21 years old. Like, he's, you know, he talks about like from the the second that they're born these days. I mean, they're like born with an iPhone in their hand, right? Yep. Now my son got an iPhone when he was young. He's, he's 12 now. He probably got it when he was nine because he was a ball boy and needed to call us when he was coming back. Yep. Didn't want to borrow, you know, 17 year old players phones and whatnot, nor did I really want him to and bring yeah. one. But, um, so, so, you know, the apps, obviously my, I don't, uh, and I get criticized for it a little bit. I don't let him have anything. TikTok, Snapchat. Twit, yeah. whatever he doesn't get any of it no <laughs> don't need it i don't even have it on my phone why would you need it right yeah. but <clears throat> he talks about in this podcast all those apps you know the the reaction when you get a snap picture or whatever when you hear the alert the ding it start your body starts to produce dopamine which is a chemical that's highly addictive mm-hmm. and you're, you become addicted to it and your body when it's deprived of dopamine because you post a picture that doesn't get enough likes you snap somebody that doesn't snap you back you text them they don't text you your body starts basically going through like a depressive state yeah and it messes with, you know, the chemicals and the entire uh, balance of the of the body. And I'm thinking, like, we didn't have to deal with that as a kid, right? Like, you went and knocked on the neighbor's door, like, can Tammy come out and play? <laughs> now, all right, bye. Like, we were <laughs> awkward. We Like, there was no immediate gratification. Like, That's if you true. wanted to watch that TV show, you didn't just open Netflix and watch it. Yeah. You had to wait till 8 o'clock at night. And, you know, now, yeah, if you could find a blank tape to pop in the VCR and record it to watch that, then great. But even, I mean, if you wanted to watch the movie, you had to rewind it for four minutes before you were allowed. To, and now everything, like, don't yeah. watch commercials. And he, he talks in this podcast oh, too about like, I hate commercials. You don't even have to like dating. You don't even have to go through the awkward awkwardness of like, hey, what's up? How's your name? He's like, no, swipe right. I'm a stud. Yeah, like, yeah. Boom. Like, it's just that easy. Everything is immediate. And so when you talk about, you know, patience being a virtue and their ability to engage and stay focused, like, how do they overcome the last four minutes of me rambling, everything we've talked about? to, to even focus on anything. Like I'm you amazed have, that they can even sit down for two seconds and, and you have to be that. intentional about it. And when I, even before I saw that clip, um, I think it was Alex Harmozy who talked about that. I'm not sure if you know who that is, but, um, wow. big guy on social media about, you know, CEO and run your own company and building a business and all this stuff. But <clears throat> I've just always known, especially I think maybe being a, a content creator, I'm aware of this. I, I think I, I consume content different than most people because I make it. So I understand like 
I I admire a a nice eight minute, well produced, well edited video as opposed and I, I maybe because I'm a stop snob I'm a quality snob. I'm just so mad that someone can get so many likes and so many views from a video garbage. from their phone. That's absolute garbage. <laughs> just like ah, but I think you have to be inten- I think you have to be intentional about pretty much everything obviously not breathing or eating obviously <laughs> but that's something I kind of want to talk about on a different thing is the America's addiction to food I'm kind of getting into that I'm about mm. to look for because we don't talk about that maybe that's episode five maybe we come back and we talk about <laughs> America's ad- we, we, we sat here and talked 30 minutes before we started the podcast yeah like Josh is like, I'm just going to click record. Like, this is like a podcast already. We're just, this is what we do. When I we wish we could Bob use Evans. that material. We should just have someone stuff. follow us and, and video, video it. It was very. That is my dream. Stuff. That is my dream to uh, be able to afford that. Like is a, uh, someone that controls my social media and also. Kardashian. Can, yes. I want someone to follow me with a camera. Not all times, like not a reality show, Yeah. but you know, just, I just love making content and I would love for that. But you know. Now, now people recognize the value in that, so now it costs a lot of money. So, so I'm going to fight <laughs> us going down the rabbit hole. That's okay. a great idea for the next <laughs> okay. episode. Okay. So, so f- for for kids today, <clears throat> have you ever experienced? You know, I mean, for me, it was like a three hour car ride that would get me to say, like, I'm bored. How far would? Like, have, has your kid ever sat down three minutes after being stimulated and been like, I'm bored? It per- it, it wasn't always <sighs> that way, and we sound old. We sound like the grandpas right now, like. <laughs> Back in my day, like I, I hear it, I know, I know what you're saying. That's because stuff advances so fast now. Like it's, it's, it's so crazy. fast, it's mind blowing. Like how are you bored? You were just doing something 30 seconds ago. Like every second of so every mad. day doesn't have to be stimulated. He's like, I want a new toy when we go to Target. I'm like, purse. Are you serious? Like you complain. You have so many Legos, so many toys, every gaming system, an iPad. I don't want to hear about another toy, please, <laughs> because you're going to play with it for 30 seconds. Unlimited content at your fingertips. Yes. Right yes. now. It, it, it's, it's alarming. I, sometimes I think, and I'm like, you know, what, what's this going to lead to? You know? I think but, we know what it's leading to. Yeah. I don't want to say it out loud. No, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up. I got a, I got a okay. question later in the show about okay. that specific event, if we're talking about the same one. but I, right. And I also have a rapid fire round, so we're going to do Ooh, fast nine. Boom, no, boom, I'm just is that a, is that a thing? We, I, I I try to coin some phrase I never get. So it changes every time. Yeah, <laughs> I so hopefully I didn't just steal somebody's thing with the speed dating thing. But I got I got some good questions. But I'm not doing that yet. Okay, because some of it will tie back. So obviously, if you say Percy Garner in Tuscarawas County, the first thing that most people are going to associate with you is the fact that you did what every child dreams of doing. You played a sport at the professional level. Yep. which is absolutely incredible. And the way that this community responded when that news was announced, I mean, it was a big deal when you got drafted by the Phillies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that's part of your story. We don't have to go all the way back to that in your journey through the major league. Uh, but I remember the day vividly you got called up and, you know, Jerry and Robert telling me they were going to the game and me telling them to come down to the field and find you. And they did and were sending me pictures. And it was just so cool for this community. But tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about what that day was like for you. Well, to begin it, you know, August we'll say August 24th because I made my debut 31st. Um, Carter Hawkins was the player development guy for the Indians. And he came down, he came down to Durham, North Carolina, where I was playing with the Columbus Clippers and I was pitching out of my mind. And I'm like, this is going to end soon. I can't pitch a 0.5 ERA for the whole season. And, um, 
he made a comment and said to like to a lot of the guys that hey we're not going to call up as many people as we usually do and i'm like oh my gosh are you serious so and then that's like we're, we're on a seven-day stand there so we're at we're at durham and you know august 30th the happens. durham bulls the durham bulls from bull durham so i'm all i'm freaking out i'm not sleep after Car- carter made that comment i'm not sleeping i don't sleep pretty much at all it's just oh this is killing me and in my mind at the time to show you where my mind was at i was losing confidence slowly but surely because of one bad attic outing i had in columbus now at this point was there speculation that maybe you would be one of the ones called out, oh yeah or was yeah. it not really yeah it was everyone literally guys who had been in the big leagues were calling me the best pitcher um on columbus's team and that you know they're probably not gonna have a job <laughs> because of how well i was pitching like especially if you look at my history it was just 2016 was just such a momentum building year and it was just the ball kept rolling snowball kept building and it was just ridiculous Mm -hmm. i actually was like wow i feel like the best pitcher in the world right now that's how good everything things were going and then um, i remember that i remember going down and thinking like didn't i see him at finish line selling shoes not that long ago (laughs) Like in this cat's, I want to say it was 20, 2015 when I was at finish line. I remember I popped in. I was chatting with you down at the mall, Newtown Mall. Yeah. Like I was thinking, like huh? I mean, maybe it just didn't go through. I guess it's you know, it's no minor it's leaguers don't make money. Had to had to have a job in the off season. Right. I had a kid at that time. Yeah, so. like eight grand a year. Yeah, right? eight grand a year I mean, does my, it. Let's clarify that. What does yeah. a minor league player make? And then we'll get back to the. So the so your first year you get eleven hundred bucks a month before taxes, and you only get paid for five months. So, um, I was flirting with eight to 10 just cause that off season job as well. So I would, I worked eight to $10,000 a year Yes, to feed your family. At this point, you did not have kids, but you and Krista had, had, you were, I mean, you had to live, you had to yeah. eat, had yeah. cars, insurance, right? Yep. Not, not a lot of, uh, extra income left over <laughs> after the bills are paid. Well, luckily she was holding it down, even though she was in, you know, she was in college, she was working. So she had built up a savings cause she's yeah. responsible. And, uh, thank you. By the way, <laughs> high school sweetheart is, yeah. uh, is, is number one from the, from the day. Yes. Day yes. Met, right? It took her a while to uh, realize that, but she finally did. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so no, no money, uh, pretty much at all. And most people, I, I was able to survive because I had a signing bonus. I was signing drafted bonus. high. How much was it? Tell everybody. <laughs> the people Four, want to know. $470,700 before taxes. Oh. I didn't know what taxes were. I hadn't got a real paycheck before that. What did that mean to a kid that grew up on Washington Street? Oh, my gosh. I was, I just remember the night before that the ba- the money, because it took forever the money to clear. I got the check while I was in Williamsport, <laughs> and they didn't have my bank in Williamsport. Four hundred seventy thousand dollars checks. Don't yeah. don't clear real well, quick. Okay, let me clear I know up. That I would know, but <laughs> the, the first check was um, two hundred thirteen thousand dollars with eighty six thousand dollars of taxes taken out. And I was like, "Who? This isn't fair!" <laughs> and that, and I I got away from the state income tax. I that was only federal taken out because I said wow. I lived in Florida. So were you were you <clears> living in Florida? IRS don't come to get me. <laughs> you were living in Florida most of the time. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Good. Yeah. So yeah, that happened, and uh, I was just hitting refresh on my MacBook. Like, when's it going to show up in my bank? Because it literally, I went to a first national bank in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and gave them a check for 213000 And they said, this is going to take a month to clear. Like, I was like, no. I need it now. Yeah, so I then I got hurt and sent to Florida. And that was another bump in the road. I had my financial advisor out to call the, uh, the bank. And just, it was it was a nightmare. But eventually, it, 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 it cleared. And then I went to Tampa International Mall and had fun. First thing you bought? <laughs> First thing I bought, I was obsessed with uh, 
this this brand of jean. It was they were called True Religions. I don't wear them oh, anymore. Yeah. But they were I'm in a lot of rap songs. Fergie sang <laughs> yeah. about some. Oh, yeah, not just rap songs, all type <laughs> of songs. So I was like, oh, I'm going to True Religion and buying these jeans right now. Like I, even bought, I think I bought some from my teammates, too. So I was a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. Average, I think a pair was 380 bucks, 2010. So, so back to the day then. Yes. So here we are. It's that <clears throat> August 21st or 24th. Well, we'll, we'll say, outing. yeah, we're, we'll say we're, uh, it's August 30th. We're playing Durham and TJ House. Pitcher for the Indians, but he was at in Columbus at the time. Goes to the Doug, uh, the the clubhouse, comes back out and says, "Hey, we're getting Coco Crisp." And they, they were either going to take his eleven thousand or eleven million dollar contract, or we're going to send a prospect. We're going to send prospects to Oakland. And I'm like, the Indians are cheap. They're going to send prospects, and I'm probably going to be near that list. And Krista loved that I was playing for the Indians. She wanted me to be done, um, but. Um, that was on my mind. So I was in the shower after the game and I didn't, I was just in there, just water falling on me. And I'm like, I'm going to Oakland. This is going to be awful. No offense, Oakland Ace, but, um, and finally, yeah, finally, yeah, finally they come get me and they're like, purse, what are you doing? We, we need you. Cause they asked, they told me like right after the game, Hey, when you get dressed and ready, you know, come to the manager's office. I'm like, all right. This is like one of the few points in your life where you allow some negativity to creep in and maybe <laughs> air it on the side of a little pessimism, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I finally walk in. It's about 11 o'clock, and the room's full of people. You know, every time, you know, certain executives from Cleveland, they come and visit, and they just happen to be visiting. Um, they said, hey, uh, you're going to Cleveland. And uh, I, like, hugged. There were some people I didn't even know in there. I just hugged everybody. <laughs> It was, uh, it seemed kind of fake, but again, I wasn't sleeping. So what I'm about to admit in about a minute, you guys are going to be like, what? So I wasn't sleeping my flight the next morning because Josh Tomlin just had a rough outing <clears throat> they had no pitching left. Love Tomlin, by the yes, way. Yes. Love Tomlin. Great dude. He gave me a lot of advice too. love you, Josh, but he had a bad outing and people were supposed to get caught up the following day, but they called me up the night before so I can go and pitch and the whole week I wasn't sleeping. So my flight was at six in the morning. <laughs> I go to the airport, just dead dog tired. And I don't know how to pack, but I found that I was flying first class. So that didn't matter. So that was amazing. <laughs> Did you ever flown first class? No, 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 not even close. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we get there and I'm just, I get to Cleveland and I'm excited. I'm making friends with the equipment managers because I want all the best equipment, you know, strategizing. Oh yeah. And, uh, which you still get. Yeah. Maybe they finally cut it off <laughs> yeah. for, for years. Yeah. No, that love those guys up there as well. And the Orioles too. But, um, they, uh, we pull up and we get into the game and everything. And I'm just like, ah, you know, the whole time. And then the game starts and, uh, it's second inning. And I'm like, you know, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, Brian Shaw are right here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I cannot be falling asleep in the bullpen next to these guys in my debut. Um, but I was quickly woken up by a phone ring. <laughs> and I, by that point, I'm not, you know, it's Cody Allen. So I'm like, oh, oh thank God. I don't have to go in this game. I'm scared. <laughs> but then we score more runs. Mm -hmm. So then the phone rings again. The lead's five now. They go get Percy going. And I heard Percy and I looked and I was like, oh God. 
I'm awake at that time. Like gives me chills, man. <laughs> Even hearing it, I've heard this story ten times, yeah, and it still yeah. gives me chills. And I had to run up 85 flights of stairs to get ready. First pitch almost sailed out of the whole stadium. So, so wait, pause. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. So you get the call, you're warmed up. All of a sudden, let's go get them in the game. What, I mean, what was that like? I mean, so the the door opens up, right? Yeah. After I ran down the flight of stairs again, my my only thoughts were, is what song are they going to be playing? Don't fall. What was the song? It was they played. They actually played. They took this the uh, my song from um, Columbus, which was okay. it was Lecrae, who's a a, a rapper who's a Christian. So uh, the song was called Sidelines. But <laughs> um, yeah, so now were I'm you all, like looking into the stands. I was. Were you looking for Krista? Were you looking for? I mean, what? no. I just wanted to real. I wanted to sh- you know the vision of every because Progressive Field holds what thirty forty thousand fans. Mm-hmm. And it was a night game. Yeah. And the playoffs are on the line. We're oh, only yeah. four games up on Detroit. This is the year that, I mean, yeah. the Indians went on to play the Cubs yeah, in the World, World Series, Series and went seven games. And but, if it wasn't for those dang Nats, yeah. you know, you might have a little bit bigger ring. True. <laughs> but, and we're all in this chat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's he's all right. <laughs> but the thing was, the thing that went to my mind is there's 11,000 people here, but it looks empty. Like that. My first thing was looking around there was a lot of seats open and that kind of was like, oh, one of those things like, dang, I just, I wanted it to be like Rick Vaughn coming out. And, Dude, listen, ah, ah, ah. if there was 11,000 people there, 8,000 of them were from Dover. I'm telling you. The, yeah. The whole city of Dover <laughs> was, was like there. a convoy up 77 that day. I mean, well, everyone said, Hey, I didn't know you at the time, but we still turned you on or we were still at the game once we heard oh, yeah. someone from Dover and Tom Hamilton did a great job, you know, talking about my backstory and, He's just amazing. Oh, Hammy was awesome, yeah. Yeah, and it was just, it was a great experience. I made it to the mound, didn't fall, and uh, First pitch? First pitch wasn't where I wanted it. Uh, (laughs) Started off uh, uh, behind in the count, 2-0, and gave up a a hit to Polanco, Um, but got my first strikeout with uh, the Australian guy, Max Kepler, who hits bombs, so that was good. That was good, yeah. But overall, great experience. And obviously, I'd never trade that. I wish the career would have lasted longer. But I'm also happy to be back in the community. And, you know, obviously having that to hang my hat on. But, oh yeah, uh, you know, great people here. So so let, the moment that that call happened, obviously, the entire community now is, is behind you. I mean, they were behind you before that, right? Yeah. Um, but what, what changed in your life? Obviously, I'm imagining some people came out of the woodwork that... <laughs> were newfound best friends yeah well that wasn't new when i got drafted that happened okay yeah so that had already happened yeah tell Um, us a little bit about that well the indians actually gave us a book that was learning like showing you how to say no to people um but i wish i would have had that book in 2010 dealing with freeloaders (laughs) yes 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 so um obviously family i took care of them my grandmother didn't want me to do that she's like your mom is you know once my mom got out of prison you know she's it's hard to get a job as a felon, you know? Oh yeah. Especially in a community like this. Yes. And you know, I was paying rent, you know, everybody was on my phone bill. Um, you know, and to me, I was going to be in the big leagues. So, you know, it didn't matter. Yeah, I was going to be a millionaire. The first of many millions yeah. that I'm going to make. My sister thought I got my signing bonus every year. So she was asking for a pink Range Rover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't nice. get her that though. <laughs> I gave her my old car and then bought my mom and my sister, you know, nice, use home humble cars you know nothing over ten thousand. Yeah, yeah practical yep and uh 
you know, I just, that was the one thing I always wanted to do was take care of the people who took care of me. Mm -hmm. And And I think, I think you and I have that in common. You know, when I fantasize about the lottery, which I don't even play, so (laughs) some chance I'll ever win it, but that's, I do that. I never think about what I would buy. I always think about how fulfilling it would be to pay off other people's mortgages without telling them, just surprise them. Oh my gosh. You know, take care of people who have been important to you your entire life and give them everything. But I've never fantasized about what I would do with the money. And I think you're the same way. And I think, you know, Chad Simpson, my business partner, I know he's the same way Yeah, that that's just kind of where our minds go is, you know, it's, I've always been the guy on Christmas. I tend to wonder to watch everybody else open the gifts that I got to put pick out. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, you know, Daniel will say, are you ever going to open your gifts? And it's like, Oh, yeah, yeah. of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. She enjoys the same thing I enjoy, yeah. which is watching someone else pick it out. But yeah. I can relate to that moment. I'm sure that that was probably one of the joys of your life was getting to take care of that support system that helped you to get to that point. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was happy to do it. My mom was, you can tell she was kind of uncomfortable about it, but I'm like, mom, just, you know, let me do this. Um, One crazy story from college. Once I got drafted, uh, there was a guy at our school. um, He was a freshman. I think he was a freshman All-American, but super, super spiritual guy who got me back on track when I started to struggle in college with my walk with with God. And he and his girlfriend had been been together just as long as me and Krista. Um, So his, his now wife, wanted she wasn't you know she was modest in what she wanted um she had a ring that she wanted and uh i i ended up picking that up for him because they were still in college and yeah i bought i bought their his engagement ring no kidding yeah he ended up transferred from ball state i think he could have played in the big back no he did not really yeah i didn't i i didn't want him to i was just like you know how did krista feel about you buying another man's (laughs) engagement just curious. Does that ever come up in a no, no, it case does, argument still it to the does not. It does not. She, uh, you know, she, I don't think she ever got it, gave it a second thought. But at the time, we weren't even, you know, together. I, oh, I was I was stupid and broke up with her for a little bit. Six months. <clears throat> lucky, lucky you got her back. Man. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. She's lucky, too. No, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. I don't want to go to rapid fire yet. We got a okay. little bit more. So okay. how did sudden fame change your life? We talked a little bit about that. We recapped your career. Let's talk about the injury. I know there's, I've heard five different variations of what the injury was from other people. You know, it's kind of like the cracker barrel. We've been building in Dover for 20 yeah. years now. Um, but I know the true story. Obviously I've heard it from you multiple times before the audience. Why don't you talk a little bit about what had happened with the injury and, and what that did in your career? Uh, knee, knee injury, the, the main one that kind of derailed everything because 2017 was supposed to be my come out year. Right. Yep, this was the year after. Yep. Well, first of all, by the way, so end that season, they shut you down because you had that arm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started, I think I was, ended the season, I was like, my last outing was against the Tigers, and I was throwing like 90, over, 91, so. Maybe over three a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd, Very important. <laughs> don't over pitch your kids. Yes. Yes. Um, try to yeah, because I, th- I threw that. more innings than Andrew Miller did, with even with his playoffs, because I didn't play in the playoffs, and I, had, I threw more innings than him, all of his stuff combined. So, so my arm was. Tito shut you down. Yeah. Hey, no worries. We got a spot for your purse. You're yeah. gonna, you'd be part of this team in the future. Yeah. So let's get you healthy, right? That was kind of the way you painted it, if I remember that story correctly. So yep. He told me to go home and don't pick there. up a ball until around Christmas time. <laughs> Which I'm sure you were happy to not do, right? Yeah, because I've never played baseball that long, that deep into a season. You know, right. minor league seasons end the first week of September. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, the uh, it started. I went. I went. I was on a mission. 2017. I went down the spring training early. I was, you know, trying to put my best foot forward, show them that I'm committed. I was doing their workout program 
and I hurt my wrist first. And that kind of set me back for a while, actually, longer than we anticipated. So I stayed in spring training in Arizona for that a long time. That was the weightlifting. Yeah, that was right? a weightlifting one. Yep, trying to lift too, mu- too, mu- too much weight, you know. Mm-hmm. Coach's fault. Um, but, <clears throat> and then, you know, coming back, I rehabbed. They sent me to Akron after I was healthy, and I started pitching there. And in one of my, you know, outings there, it was, I want to believe it was, I want to say it was August. Uh, tour, it was a, a simulated game. So no one's on the field, really. It's just me and a hitter. And usually it's not a hitter that's playing that game because, you know, right. coming back off injury, they don't know if you're going to be, you know, sharp. So they're not going to put someone in there and you ding them up with a, a ball to the head or anything. But I ended up tearing my uh, meniscus uh, there. So then I had to rehab that. And no hard feelings to the Indians, but they, they, you know, they just weren't honest with me. But they told me that they would sign me back. That's not that bad. You know, you don't need surgery. We'll put some gel in your knee. You'll be good. <clears throat> so they weren't treating it as a, to- a torn meniscus at the time. So, um, but that never happened. They never contacted me or my agent. And then it kind of was like, okay, well, what, what what's next? And um, signed with the Orioles. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret that, but. Who I think, if I remember correctly, like did an initial physical right before even signing with. Oh you yeah, before said, I signed, hey, I did surgery. four MRIs, and they said you, you need surgery. One right? straight sitting, yeah. And you were like, "What?" Yeah, they were like, that. "You need surgery." Yeah, uh, and they said, "We'll do it for you, um, but we believe in you, and we'll do the surgery, and we'll be good." So I did the surgery December seventeenth. Started throwing late January. Played in a spring training game late February, and obviously I wasn't throwing as hard. Right. They they previously saw me when I was at Columbus throwing ninety nine. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so that was kind of the, you know, I, I want to reference the joke you made so bad, but I'm not going to about my necklace. But that was the beginning of the end, I'll, basically. I'll reference the joke. So <laughs> it was. It turned out to be a very bad joke. Have you heard the story? No. So he was wearing the necklace the one day, and I said, "Hey, that's a cool necklace. Where'd you get it?" He's like, "Oh, Tolan Herzik. Wasn't it Tolan Herzik?" I think I just said a funeral home. Yeah, funeral home. Tolan. I said. A baseball necklace from a funeral home? Was that to like signify the death of your baseball career? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Percy goes, no, it actually contains my mom's ashes. <laughs> Felt like crap. Yeah, no. Oh, it's only because I know you, Steve. Yeah. If it was someone else, I'd be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's a funny oh, joke. Oh, man. That one. <laughs> I talk a lot. I'm bound to fo- put my foot. Yeah, me, me as well. So. Me as well. But, but yeah, the injury ended up... Uh, you know, I I, there were, I showed some sparks. I got up to 96, 97, a couple games, mm-hmm. but never in a meaningful game. It was just in spring training, uh, extended spring training. Now, to and, clarify, though, you went out on your own terms. I mean, they wanted you to stay in the league. They wanted you to continue to – I mean, you drew crowds, and obviously they knew anytime you came to your hometown, you were going to be oh, yeah. following. So <laughs> for sure, said, hey, for sure. And I, and I also had overseas options as well because right. you still I, – I got friends over there making close to a million a year, and I mm-hmm. was like – you know, but Krista's like, nope, not this 10 point, years the is The family enough. had started. Yeah, we were trying to have our second child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were struggling for some reason. You know, we were going through our test and nothing was coming back bad. But somehow we still weren't, you know, because we didn't realize that, you know, we don't really control all that. You know, someone right. else has a plan. But eventually we got a dog and then she got pregnant. <laughs> That's how it usually goes, right? As soon as you get a plan B. Yes. All of a sudden, here comes <clears throat> A back in full force. Yeah. So, so obviously, overnight, you decided, uh, I, I'm, it's time to hang it up. I mean, I had a good run. I did something everybody's wanted to do, but you weren't willing to live that lifestyle anymore, right? No. I just, uh, you know, Krista, you know, she 
was home with purse already and really wanting another child and though i i wasn't completely ready i still knew it was there i had shown sparks you know and i was just like ah. but at this point it's been 10 years 2010 to nine years 2010 to 2018 right uh, it was time you know and you know the orioles released me in june of 2018 and they the pirates were interested um but i just at that time it was it, it was time so and thought i'd come back home and you know try to get involved and learn what real life's like yeah. <laughs> in business and S- sell insurance yeah that's <laughs> Went right to insurance, and uh, that didn't work out. But uh, I remember seeing you uh, shortly after you came back. Yeah. Kindergarten, where both our kids were in that's, kindergarten That's together. exactly right. And I said, what, so what are you doing? And you're like, ah, I'm selling insurance. So I'm like, seriously, Percy? See, like, I didn't know that, though. But I'm like, that's a former professional athlete selling it. How cliche. He's like, is that like a thing? They do that? I'm like, yeah, buddy. They all do that. So oh, God. I think that was when I put your first doubt in your mind about being an insurance. Agent. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, there's not anything profession. wrong, but yeah. I mean, there's there's different forms, but I was working in Cleveland, leaving before my family woke up and getting home before my when my family was in bed. So I was like, "This Driving is worse than baseball." Specimens and <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that I, not? I mean, basically. And I was like, "This is I'm not even seeing my family, so this doesn't even make sense. I might as well go back and play baseball." <laughs> Give me a time check, real quick, Josh. Yeah, five twelve, one oh six. We're at an hour and six minutes already. Yep, that we've been going. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. oh so it's just all right. Great. So we got we got to wrap it up relatively quickly yeah. quickly here. So let's get. I got some really good topics, man, that I wanted <laughs> to ask you about. Current state of athletes, how it's, the games have evolved, transfers in high school and college. Is it good for the game? Bad for the game? Is it good for the athletes? Let's cover that one. Let's spend one minute on that if we can. <laughs> okay. What are your thoughts on the current state of youth athletics and you know all these different sponsorships available? Transfers. I just saw a kid oh, you transferred mean to Hoban name, image, from, likeness. Uh, West oh. Virginia today. I think. Some crazy announcement. But anyways, what, what are your thoughts on all that and how much harder it is to become a professional athlete and that what age they start working these kids and developing them now? Well, I don't want to be the one that says, hey, you shouldn't specialize on one sport. I know I didn't. It worked out for me, but also there wasn't workout programs, nutrition, all this stuff going into it. And, and there wasn't specializing in sports when I played. I loved all three sports, so I wanted to do that. Um and I think it helped me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but for me, just loving the game and being competitive, I think is what I learned is ultimately, yes, you know, working at your craft is, is, is great. You must do that, you know, hitting, pitching, you know, shooting, dribbling, all that stuff. But the biggest thing I think is, is learning how to, you know, grab hold of that competition and just figuring it out, figuring out how to win right? or, or how to win the battle if it's pitcher hitter. It took me a while to do that. I always wanted, I looked at things from an exterior. It wasn't interior. You know, I was looking at, oh, this mound isn't that great. Or, or this is, I was always something else out there. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, you know, I, I got kicked in the butt with just, hey, this is just competition. Just one-on-one, quit worrying about, oh, my arm oh, hurts. Compete. Oh, this hurt. This this is weird. No, just compete. Mono a mono, baseball reference. Um, go out there and do your job mm-hmm. and give your ch- your team a chance to win instead of you know instead of the latter so that's just compete kids <laughs> that's, so what, that's you, what i'm saying do you feel like the evolution of the young athlete obviously i mean the the age at which they dominate the age at which they develop and work through aau travel ball, all these other things i mean you you would agree it, it's led to a crazy 
level of competition, right? I mean, these kids are better than they were 10 years oh. ago. They were better 10 years ago than they were 20, right? Yeah, of and course. God only knows where they'll be in another 10, right? Yeah, exactly. I think we're always, you know, evolving. We're all, we're learning new things, uh, you know, baseball, spin rate. That wasn't a thing when I was growing up, but now the Accent kids know. Yes, all that stuff. So do you think it's good for the kids or do you think it's bad for them? I think the the numbers are a good thing to measure, um, but I don't think you should obsess over it. And I don't think, I think as, as a child, not from a parent's perspective, but as a child, you should not be thinking about your end goal all the time. You should be thinking, okay, tomorrow, this is what I want to accomplish. Or, hey, for in this week, this is what I want to do. This is what I have to do. I have to make sure my school is done. I have to make sure I get my lifting done or conditioning. I think I need, you know, I think my endurance isn't where it needs to be. I mm-hmm. think that's what you focus on. Even when I was in the big leagues, I was or in the um, playing professional baseball in the minor leagues, I was thinking about, uh, you know, what would it be like to pitch in Philadelphia, all this stuff. And not thinking about, hey, I have a bullpen today. What do I want to work on in my bullpen? Instead of thinking, hey, man, what happens if I have to face Barry Bonds? You know, so, right. <laughs> something St- like story that. Story of my life. Yes. And you've heard you've heard Chad and I talk about it. We, we kind of adopted the saying with both of our lives, always happy, never satisfied. Mm. Always happy, never satisfied, which, you know, can be a gift and a curse. We're always looking ahead. But at the same time, you got to stop every now and then to appreciate the moment. Because For sure. If you're always looking ahead, then you're never in the moment. And I definitely catch myself living outside the moment. And and parents do not, do not. I've seen it a lot. Even even back in the day. I'm not going to, you know, specify anybody. But there's people that were just burnt out. Mm-hmm. And I and think that's, that's what I thing. worry about with yeah. sports. Are we going to burn out? You know, as far as the, you know, is it good for the game? I mean, people are complaining baseball games, professional baseball games become boring. The pitchers are so good. They can put so much spin on the ball. That, you know, you're not going to see eight home runs a game anymore. I mean, if you do, that's a complete anomaly. The norm is, you know, four to one, one to nothing, right? And, you know, some people are saying that's making the game of baseball hard to watch. Well, it's hard to say this as a pitcher, but we all know when when baseball was in its best state, you know, there was always the that steroid word around. Oh yeah. All these yeah, home late runs. 90s, early 2000s. Yes, that's McGuire, when baseball, baseball was at its best. And it was a blast to watch. It was. <laughs> um, Barry Bonds. Yes. I mean, the greats, right? The yeah. guys that maybe never will get in the hall of fame, but boy, yeah. did they draw the numbers. Set big poppy. He got in. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think he's ever been officially considered part of that. Right. I think a lot of people informally did, but was he ever formally like, I, I don't know. I looked into this and I, I feel like he, I, I think he's a great player, especially in the clutch, but he was juicing. I, I, I just, th- I feel like he is. And he was in the, the report too, but, but in his defense, if, if you know, all the greats are yeah. at some point, and I'm not saying it's okay to do it because everybody else is, but if you're trying to be competitive and you're known as a hitter and everybody else is using steroids and you're not. That's what they said Barry Bones was doing. Barry was hitting 40 home runs before he supposedly got on the he juice. He would have been in the Hall of Fame with Yeah, he was it. dominating. 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. Right. But everybody was going crazy over Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire hitting 60, 70 mm-hmm. home runs. He said, 40's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then his head got big physically it'll be interesting to see what (laughs) happens with the games if athletes continue to progress at the rate they are and obviously you know money's finding its way into youth sports now legally yeah you'd be crazy to think it hasn't always been there yeah illegally so it's just um i don't know i just don't know how i feel about it i don't know if it's good now the college sports 
are, are doing that. I don't, yeah. I mean, there's no am, amateurism there. They're already talking not, about high school, you know, yeah. being the next, uh, the next forefront. So we'll see, but we'll move on from that one. Cause I got some other things I got to ask you and okay. I don't want people to get drawn out. So I'm hoping that like the first 15 minutes he was recording weren't the start of the show so that we don't get too late, but <laughs> He's probably right. It's probably going to be two hours. So just bear with us, guys. This is great content. We have a question at the end that's going to blow your mind. Oh, go. Uh oh. No, we don't. I'm Uh-oh. just trying to keep them engaged so they don't stop. I love it. I love the honesty. Yeah. Um, have you talked to Micah since his big news last week? Yeah. So I've FaceTimed him twice. The first time we weren't able to really get into it. And he also wasn't able to spill the beans yet. So he had to like kind of hang up and say, I- I- I'll have to call you back. But yeah, I've, uh, I've talked to him, FaceTime with him, and. I just I can't wait to see how what excited he, are you for him? I'm man. excited because I feel like I feel like he's going to be like like Dion is now to to, <laughs> to Jackson State man. I just I, I feel, to be lucky yeah because I feel like he he loves it so much. He does. It's not a job to him. He's That's always wanted to do this. Yeah, and it's like finally because I, I I felt like he should have been head coach years ago, but mm. you know he's patient and he knows what he has to do and right. he's fine with learning and taking a back seat and maybe taking on more responsibilities than he should have or what his what he was getting paid mm. but he knew in the end right it was going to be worthwhile yeah he bought, he bought his time yeah right? i mean he's he head coaching now and he's also made you know a positive influence on kevin warren who was big 10 commissioner right kevin warren took his resume he's already interviewed with big 10 so his name's on their radar they love him um so i'm just like man this is all coming to fruition so and, cool yeah I was, I was talking to Coach Von Cuddle about it just the other day at a grad, TC's graduation yeah. party. You were, I saw you there. And um, you know, he's got like a, a sparkle in his eye when he talks about it. Just You could see that you know his passion has been passed along to one of his players. Oh, who, for sure. You know, skill-wise, I don't know where Mike would rank in his all-time, but as far as the heart and the passion for the game, I'm sure Mike is in his you know, all-time starting five, right? Yeah. Because they share that coaching passion. And uh, he, was, he was laughing because Mike had told him he won't – you know, they're the Quakers. He said, I won't order any equipment that says quicker. He refuses. You know, he once, gave me a shirt. Once a tornado, always a tornado. Yeah, yeah. So it's all just going to, you know, have the the logo and. Yeah. No, no and he's all shirt. Dub C Nation is what he calls it. Dub C, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but still, that, I mean, how cool is it now? Mike obviously got to participate in your success in 2010 or even really before that. right? Yeah. Celebrate you as being the, the, the starting star quarterback. And then. Going to Ball State to play, you know, Division One college baseball. He was at some of those Football games, first. making way too much noise. So, so <laughs> now you get the opportunity, you know, fifteen years later to reciprocate uh, that, that love for your I, your brother. And I'm going to try to embarrass him whenever uh, I go to his. We're games. going. We're going to take a party <laughs> bus down. I mean, he he comes about Union and stuff like that too. So it's going to be. Yeah. We're definitely going to, you know, because he was coming when I was I was playing at Ohio University. Him and David White came down there, and they were just yelling outrageous and i'm like trying to be focused so i'm definitely gonna get him back it's a big moment man so happy <laughs> for you micah congrats buddy oh, nobody's for sure. more deserving yeah and i know your number one fan will be right there screaming <laughs> for you at some of those games so two two more things and then we'll wrap up yeah um so not going to get on the political side of it we're not even going to talk about the gun debate but obviously the you know events that unfolded in our country just you know again last week it was one of the more publicized one with I think it was 19 people yeah. know, murdered. There's mm-hmm. no other way to say it in a school. I mean, what do we do, man? Where are we at with, as a society? How do we how do we get back on track? I mean, it's it's crazy to think about kids killing other kids, right? Uh, I think it's 
the the solution is simple. Execution isn't. I think, you know, I think I post this on Rainbow Connections, uh, you know, social media all the time. And this, I always think about this. When I played at Akron Rubber Ducks, there was this girl who was a front office worker. She would always be out doing a lot of the um, media stuff during the game. And, and she always wore this shirt that said, kindness is so gangsta i remember i remember you telling me that yep and it kind of just stuck with me and i just feel like people especially since you're not face to face anymore and i think we talked about this as well it's a lot easier to deviate away from being kind to one another since you're not and i know when you go into a school and you and you shoot shoot at schools at teachers and kids and you kill them you're obviously face to face there, but so much is built up before that point. I'm sure a lot of a lot of bullying and a lot of all that stuff is happening behind a screen, mm-hmm. and you know you kind of left at you know parents aren't really intervening. That's kid doesn't really tell his parents a lot of the stuff about that. But I think kindness is the answer. I know it sounds cliche or too easy or whatever. I just know if you practice kindness, there is no possible way. That you could murder someone, you you just you can't you and, and, can't and get I'll to that point. Empathy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like empathy is something we're lacking as a society, especially these days. You oh, and I sure. talked about this earlier. Yeah, but it feels as though everyone feels as though they have to draw a line in the sand on every topic, and I, I feel like some topics just can't have a line in the sand. Yeah, I think know? that's a skill, though. I think kindness is is maybe easier it was well, not maybe it's definitely easier than empathy because empathy requires you to make an effort you know right kindness does too it just comes natural to me but empathy you actually have to think about okay what 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 is that person going through or what what would it, what, how would i feel if i was in their shoes right because that doesn't that takes a little bit more thought right sympathy means i feel bad for you empathy yeah. means i feel bad with you right yeah. i understand what you're going through yeah and I feel like there's so many, to- I mean, so I said we wouldn't get political and talk about, <laughs> you know, taboo topics, but, um, you know, th- I'll give an example, you know, of the most controversial one right now, you know, the, the abortion topic. And yeah. we're not, I'm not going to ask your opinion on it again. I, it yeah. doesn't matter to me, but yeah. I feel like people are so determined that like, you know, we'll use this table, for example, this is the line. Yeah. Are you on this side or this side? And part of the reason why I've said I, I can't go into politics, I can't do it. I'm too, I'm too convicted in my morals and my ethics and I have yeah. strong opinions about things that sometimes don't put me on one side or the other side of the topic. Yeah. Yet everyone says, no, pick a side. Well, okay, let's talk about abortion real quick, right? Like, do I agree that someone should be able to, you know, have a baby killed in the second trimester in the third trimester, late first trimester? Like, what's the line is my struggle. Yeah. I've always struggled with like, so is it at heartbeat, which is at five weeks? Is that then a living baby? Is it when the baby's born within five minutes, you can still do it? Or is it like, where's the line? At some point, there's a line. And what is it? I, I, my mind struggles to accept that. Like, it's not okay ever to, to kill is the yeah. way that my mind's programmed. So is, you know, well, if some people say, well, before it's born. Yeah. Okay, well, some babies are born at 30 weeks and they live. Like, yeah. So are you saying that? Or like, I struggle with that. But then on the other side, people say, well, what about the kids that are going to be born into a lifestyle where they're, you know, going to struggle their whole life or they're going to be born with disabilities or rape victims. And I'm like, I I get it. I know exactly what you're saying. You're right. Yeah. You're not wrong. But where where do I stand on the topic? I'm like, I I don't know because my mind is empathetic and I understand both sides, both sides very clearly. And they both are very valid. So what I know you can't do is just tuck it away in the corner and not talk about it. There's got to be laws to regulate it, make sure things aren't abused on both sides. But I don't want to be one of the people making those laws. 
I don't even like being one of the people to talk about, but yeah. I feel like those are the kind of topics that are so controversial and polarizing. Just like the second that that event happened, you know, a week and a half ago, it became a, a conversation about video games, gun control, yeah, politics, politicians, schools, teachers, liberal. I mean, everything from the teacher that propped the door open to the the parents and the grandma. And like, I'm like, what? I just don't get it, man. My mind just starts reeling. Because yeah. I'm like, how do we get here? I, I feel that it's one of the words you said, you know, regulations. There can't be, for me, in the in the world we live in now, there can't be just black and white. No, you, you got to, this is how the law works. It's going to go in their favor. There has to be regulation. And I mean, I know in some states there's already that kind of regulation. Right. Um, and I know there's a lot of companies that are saying hey if you live in the you know if you work for amazon or apple or whatever you can will pave to get you to that state that allows it to happen all i can say is um i see both sides of the spectrum just like you but i just it, it's a thing that is so is so touchy that you know going not going in and picking a side people can accuse you of a thing too so there's really no easy way about going around it oh yeah but for for me i just feel like you know i don't want to be the deciding factor with my feelings i know right. i wouldn't want uh you know my daughter or you know someone in my family to to you know have an abortion but again i'm not going to say hey you can't right I mean, it's and, and the same topic on gun control. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, I understand both sides of the argument. Should they yeah. regulate? Yeah, of course they should. Yeah. Way too many people have access to guns, but at the same time, right? The guns aren't committing the crime. I understand that argument yep. too. Yep. Um, and there's other means, right? There's knives and guns and people drive cars into crowds. And I mean, so yeah. you can't regulate the crazy out of people, right? <laughs> that I mean, is true. That is true. People do bad things. I'm, I think my mind always goes to the source, which is the question I was posed a minute ago. How did we get here? How I can honestly say my entire life, I've never sat there and given any actual thought to killing someone. What makes someone, is that a genetic, a genetic deformity? Is it a, like, it's, it's so difficult because you know, I'm the kind of guy that wants to wrap my head around everything yeah. and usually can, right? Because again, yeah. in a society where we can get all the answers right yeah. on our phone, I can't find the answer to why are people so damn cruel sometimes. My, my one thing is I, I don't understand either. Cause I, I feel like I have to talk myself up if I would, cause I think about these situations. So I know how to react if, you know, my kids or my wife's in trouble and I have to do something. I always talk myself up to, okay, yeah, I would be able to do that. I could do that. I could, you know, you know, defend my family if I have to, and I don't have any guns, but I also plan to uh, purchase them. I just haven't done it yet. And that's been happening for 10 years now, but now, see, I know I could, yeah, but I pray I never have to. Yeah, true. Because in the moment, I think you, you know, it's fight or flight. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying I, going back to that, I don't, I don't know that I would ever recover from it. I can't wrap my head around, you know, killing someone innocently, you know, because I can't even honestly say that I would be able to do it in a time of need. I mean, right. I think I would be able to, obviously, if my if my family's on the line, that's going to happen. But the focus always a, goes to the end result as yeah. opposed to the source of, you know, what, what happened in that kid's life that got him there. And I'm not trying to make him the center focus. Yeah. It's, it's, he, you know, he was, he wasn't the victim, but I just, I don't understand how a kid yeah. at that age that has so much to live for 
And I know he had his tribulations, man, but we just spent the first 30 minutes of this podcast talking about how life can start rough. Yeah. Yeah. You can overcome it, right? Yeah. I mean, you were a walking, breathing case. And although you're, you know, much more comfortable with your story than I am, I'm a case of it. I mean, we, there's so many situations where at 18, you might think things are terminal, whether it's a breakup or oh, whatever yeah. it is, but it's not, man. Life yeah. is so much bigger and you only get one shot at it. And, and it's all perspective. And I want to say one last point that like, yes, you know, going back to your point, yes, I, I had a lot of stuff in my life that went wrong, but in that kid's life, is there just a hint of positive or is all the darkness, you know, encompassing the light? Because for me, when I talk about this or when I think about this, it reverts to back to what I, you know, my spiritual life and my, my walk with God is he pretty much says this is all going to happen. You don't want it to happen, but it pretty much says, Hey, during the end days, it's going to get bad. And we're, I'm assuming we're not, obviously we don't know when we are. And that's how I believe oh, this can and be and it's going to, it's going to our conversation yeah. <laughs> on its own, man. Cause you and I both have very strong feelings about yeah. this topic. Yeah. But I just, that's, that's how I explain it. And I, it's going to be, it's going to be really bad, but I just I don't see it getting any better, unfortunately. I don't either. But I also don't want to stop fighting and. Stop oh yeah, for sure. As though, for there's sure, got to be something we could do. And you can't outlaw everything that impacts or or influences death. I think you can definitely regulate it better. And but I don't know, man. My mind goes to those those kids and yeah. what they went through, and the last thing to go through their minds in the moment. And I mean, it's 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 haunting. It's chilling, you know. As a father of a twelve, nine, six year old, and I know you have. Your two young kids. I, I mean, I didn't post on Facebook. I didn't say anything about it. I just, I don't even know what to say. I yeah. To the point where I'm like, I have, I have no more words. There are no, you know, cries for thoughts and prayers. There yeah. are no cries for legislation. You're just. Mm-hmm. And, and speechless. I think, yeah, I think it's <laughs> private conversations where I like to have, mm-hmm. this is, you know, we're kind of treating this as a private conversation. Oh, and that's, I forgot we're recording this. <laughs> yeah. My bad. <laughs> But that's how I like it. That's where, you know, that's when you learn stuff. Even someone who doesn't have the same views. Like you said, you don't want to be surrounded with a whole bunch of Steve Van Horns. No. You, you like, you, you like. find the, people yeah. more different than we are. Yeah. The, right? I was never a professional athlete. My yeah. mom wasn't in jail. We, I mean, we don't, yeah. we don't share the same story yet. You know, I consider you one of my closest friends yeah. because I think we both, you know, understand each other and are willing to listen and have discourse in a healthy way and not just try to talk each other into seeing things our way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I consider myself you know more educated when we come out of these conversations because i get to understand a different perspective on and i think that's probably what we're lacking more than anything but yeah i said we wouldn't get deep and we just went like <laughs> 12 like ten thousand leagues baby so we're uh we're gonna come back up to the surface because we got to bring this thing in so this is the okay. last deep question and then we're gonna hit like rapid fire superficial really surface level stuff it's, okay you know, not, i don't believe change you no. life. <laughs> i promise last one though that's a little bit serious all right your kids listen back to this podcast in 40 years what do you want them to hear? I want them to hear that me, you know, me talk about the adversity I faced and just having the people that love them and taking their support as, as at face value and not, you know, how we are as kids, mm-hmm. you know, especially you don't like to hear stuff from your parents. Uh, you'd rather hear from somebody else, um, but you won't admit it. I just want my kids to know that their dad was, you know, kind to others, even though I wasn't always kind to them at home. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, I'm not will. I'm, I don't want to, I never want to use fear as an excuse. 
Um, so obviously this time right now, especially this going out to the world, whoever wants to watch it, um, it, it can be risky or devastating to say the wrong thing, but you know, I try my best to give exactly how I feel and not try to shy away from everything. And, uh, just, I just wanted them to know that I was a kind person who did not use fear as a crutch. That's basically it. Cause I, I, every night I, I kind of, I haven't started out with Peyton, mm-hmm. but, um, I try to do positive affirmations with purse. He doesn't understand it yet, obviously. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. He will. I wish I was smart enough to understand everything my parents and family were trying to teach me growing up at his age. You do 20 years later. No. A lot of appreciation, man. Yep. Wouldn't, yep. wouldn't be where I am without my family, but boy, did I tell them they were wrong a lot growing up. <laughs> so, But I'll affirm for you right now, man. You're a hell of a guy. I consider you, again, one of my closest friends. What you see is what you get and love you like a brother, man. So Appreciate it. Keep being you. You want to get your own podcast after this? Little, uh, little Garners. <laughs> Dad was a good man. And I hope, by the way, in 40 years, you're still alive and kicking. Maybe a little senile, not able to tell them exactly what they want to hear, but, you know. I'll still be playing at the not, Y at 6 a.m. Bill Wise Garber's probably that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, let's go. All right. So let's hit this real yes, quick. You ready? Yeah, Rapid yeah. fire. You're not allowed to give these, like, extensive thought. You just okay. got to First one that pops in. Favorite stadium you ever played in? Target Field. Target Field, which is in? Minnesota Twins. Gotcha. They got it was brand stuff new. in Minnesota. It was brand new. It's cold up there, though. Strikeout. <laughs> I'm going to have to say Victor Martinez. Oh, heck yeah. That's a good one. Because I love him. Scripture. Scripture is Philippians 4.8. I know a lot of people like 4.13, but I like 4.8. Think about positive things. Things are worthy of praise. Nice. I like that one too. Mm -hmm. Might might be one of my favorites. (laughs) Biggest regret? Being too afraid to ask somebody something. Could be anything. I guess more afraid of asking a girl out in Early years of my life. Dang, I could dissect that one, but for the sake of time, we won't. Uh, most influential person in your life? Mm. Don't worry about the ones feeling Grandma, hurt, I'm going to say Grandma Donnie. Grandma's always a good answer. <laughs> um, who is the greatest athlete of all time? Oh, I'm going to say Michael Jordan. Achoo, man, I'll never disagree with that one. <laughs> I, I was thinking of all sports, though. But it just came back too. Although I will say, and I can't wait till this documentary comes out here in a month. But I, the more I've learned about Kobe, I oh, love Kobe. Yeah. In the moment, I didn't appreciate him the way that you know I probably should have. But yeah. man, what a what an athlete and what a person! Oh my gosh! Um, if you could spend a day with anyone, past, present, or future, who would it be? Full day. Hmm. Full day. I am gonna say, it's on my mind. Might as well just say it. I was gonna think of something better, but Jackie Robinson. That'd be an interesting one, huh? Especially with what's going on with Josh Donaldson and mm-hmm. Tim Anderson. Have you seen that? No. Uh, Josh Donaldson called Tim Anderson Jackie, and there's a big thing going on. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Even, I'm not going any <laughs> deeper on that one. Uh, we got serious enough already. Favorite yeah. musician? Mm, that is hard too. I'm going to say. Uh, favorite musician. I'm going to say Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. You and Danielle share the same artist. Really? Favorite sport to play? Basketball. I knew it. I already knew it. Made a lot of money playing baseball, but you can't beat the hoops, man. You can't. We share that passion. Favorite sport to watch? Basketball. (laughs) NBA playoffs, man. I just can't. I get it. Uh, March Madness, dude. Favorite song ever? Favorite song ever. 
Oh, I got a crib on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Usher Superstar. It's not one of his big hits, but it was a song I contemplated singing at my wedding. But I'm every sure everybody at my wedding glad I didn't. Nice, nice. <laughs> I, I've never heard you sing. No, nah. too bad. Deep baritone voice. <laughs> Favorite car you've never owned? Uh, Mercedes G wagon. G wagon. Uh, favorite car you did own? Uh, my Chevy 1500. Oh, the one you totaled in Florida? <laughs> I didn't total it. The one someone, that someone ran else into me. Totaled <laughs> yes. while you were in it? Yes. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to pay for it still, though. That was a sweet truck. Yeah, I love it. white, it. wasn't it? With yeah. black rims and black and red. It was their first red line edition. Oh, yeah. so good. That thing was sweet. I think I saw the before and after photo. <laughs> she was, that thing was smoked. <laughs> Uh, all right, who you got in the NBA Finals? Give me the team and the Finals MVP. I'm going to say Celtics, Jason Tatum. Oh, man, I agree. I literally just changed what it. Five heck? seconds when you asked that midway through your thing, I was thinking Warriors. But then I was like, nope, Celtics. If the Warriors do win, who's going to be the MVP? Steph's going to get his first Finals MVP first. 100% agree. But, man, Tatum, where did he come from? I mean, the dude's been good for a minute, but yeah. I feel like – Five years ago, everybody was talking about AD and the next James Harden, and now mm-hmm. people are like not even in their top. And 30. John Morant came on the scene John, too. Oh, I mean, he's got to uh, be in most people's top ten. But again, different show, yeah, different conversation. <laughs> Listen, I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I have. Purse, I heard some things I haven't heard before. Again, we want to thank uh, Josh. We want to thank uh, the the Subway for yes. the sponsorship. Yeah, I know you got a couple other ones you're working on, so we're excited for that. Yeah, always enjoy the show. I hope everybody else does. Take care, everybody, and. Uh, Tuning in to 99 miles per hour with Percy Gardner.